going to start a new series this morning called Hard. Hard. And if I ask you some questions this morning, and I'm going to, I don't want you to raise your hand, because I already know the answers to these questions. And I want you to ponder these questions. Do you feel like life is squeezing you today? That life is pressing in on you? Does the phrase caught between a rock and a hard place really mean something to you this morning? Do you feel like the hard circumstances and situations that you find yourself in, that your heart is questioning God's involvement in all of it? Maybe you're wondering this morning, does God care about my heart? Does he really care? Because I'm walking through some hard stuff. Been walking through some hard stuff. And I look at the horizon and it doesn't look like it's going to get any easier. Maybe, maybe the situations in your life right now are, are okay and, and you find yourself in a comfort zone and things are going well. But the, the events of the world, some of what we talked about today, they're, they're hard. There are hard, awful things happening around all of us. Does God care about my heart in all this? Does he care? Is he concerned about my heart? How I'm feeling towards these things? Well, how I'm dealing with these things? Because, you know, as a, some of the psalms, you know, my, psalms say, my heart is overwhelmed. In anguish, grief, sorrow, pain. Does God really know? Does God really care about my heart? As I thought about this series and, and going forward with it, this is an introduction about our hearts this morning because I really felt like as I was preparing this that God said, you know what, I want you to tell them that their heart is valuable to me. Your hearts are valuable to Father God. So although you might be struggling with believing that, you might be struggling with understanding that, God wants to say something today that hopefully will help you understand how valuable your heart is to Him. The basis of our scripture for the series will be found in Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard. And that word hard means press in a wine press. Grapes are crushed, pressed. So the juice flows out. That leads. That word means carry. Carry. 
to life. That word is the Greek word zoe, and it means real life, vibrant life, life that's alive. But the way there is hard. The way there is hard. Why? Why is the way so hard? Why is the way so hard? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity, this moment that we get to, to listen to your words, your words of life. We understand so little. And we need to understand so much more. So what we ask, Father, is that you would do that for us today. That you would help us understand your word, understand your heart, understand your ways. Because we need it. We need you this morning. And we proclaim our, our need of you as worship. We need you, Father. We need you, Father. We need you to come right here, right now, and be able to speak to us so that we can understand. And we know that that's your heart. You want us to understand you. You want us to know you so that we can know ourselves. So I'm asking, Father, that indeed that you would totally empty me of me, everything empty so that you can speak your words. I need you this morning. I can't do this without you. Your words are important. Your words are life. We don't need my opinion, my thoughts, my, my skew on things. We need your word. And we cry out desperately for it. And we know we have it because you promised. And so we ask all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody watch that show, Mythbusters? I used to watch it when we had cable. And it, 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 the, the whole show is about uh, these two guys who find it like an urban legend or some kind of theory from a movie or something, and they use scientific methods to disprove it or prove it. Every time I watched the show, it just seemed like they were blowing things up, which, you know, which, is, which is okay, which is cool, because I want to blow a myth out of the water today. I want to, this, this myth has annoyed me for years. And the fact that, that there are some pastors and some leaders who teach this myth infuriates me almost more than anything else. You'll understand why. But listen to this myth. If you want an easy life, that a life that's free of hardship, struggle, pain, and sorrow, where every dream comes true, with every business plan ends in financial security, where you have a life free of disease, free of sickness, and where every person that you meet is your new best friend. If you want that kind of life, there's only one thing you have to do, and that is accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I hate that myth because it's deceptive and it robs us of something. It robs us of a true vision of who God is. It robs us of the ability to know God. Because what it says there is that all God is, is this huge vending machine in the sky that will do what we want, 
when we want it because we're, we're doing this, this, and this correctly. There's no relationship in that. There's no accountability in that. There is no holiness in that. And that will destroy a person sooner or later. Because there's no life in that. I hate that myth. Let's face it. Following the Messiah is hard. Following Jesus is difficult. It is not easy to walk the walk that Jesus walked and that He asked us to to do. It's just not. Oh, it's fulfilling. It's rewarding. But it's costly to follow Him the way that He asked us to do. He promises peace that passes all understanding and yet there are times that we are stressed beyond our ability to take. He asks our heart to love like He loves. And it breaks over and over again when we do. This is not an easy call. But it's the way that leads to life. The way is hard because we live in a broken world. A sinful world. We wade through the waters of other people's mistakes and sins and the ripples that those things cause. We wade in them every day. We wade in our own. The way is hard is because we're human. We're flesh. Blood. Hard. But it's meant to bring us to life. So we have a choice this morning, and it's wonderful of God that He gives us so many choices. We have a choice of what we give our heart to, we have a choice of what our heart is going to be like. wonderful God, is kind of God to give us these choices, but those choices are hard. Those choices are hard. The gate is narrow. The way is hard. How do we respond to that? We could get narrow-minded. Narrow in our thoughts of who God is. Small in our thinking and our faith. Wow. What it says... The way that leads to life. And those who find it, that word means get it and understand. Get it. Understand. So we could be narrow-minded or we could get it. We could understand. See, God wants us to understand. He doesn't want to leave us in the dark. There's great mystery to God. We know this. But there are things that He knows that we need in order to walk through this hard life that Lisa, He wants us to understand. He is more than happy because He's a loving Father and He wants to instruct us and, and disciple us and grow us. He wants us to know this stuff. And we can. We can get it. We can get it. Narrow is the gate. 
The wonderful thing about a gate is that it can lead us into somewhere else. City, a town, a fortress. But the other wonderful thing about a gate is that it can lead us out of something. And I think that's the intent of this scripture here, that, that when we get it, we get led out, we get carried out into life, it says, but we get carried out of darkness, out of captivity, into his life. It's the gate out. Jesus himself said this about himself in John 10, 9 through 10. He says, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. They will go out and go freely and find good pastures. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We go in through Jesus and we come out free. So we could choose to be narrow-minded. We could also choose to get hard-headed. Hard-nosed. Hardened as nails. Hard to the core. Or the worst thing possible. Become hard-hearted. See, difficult things, hard things, trials, tragedies, sickness, disease. They could do something to our heart. They can make our heart grow cold. Distant to the heart of Father. And a heart that grows cold and becomes distant gets hard to the things of God. To his words, to his commands, to his leadings, to his pleadings, to his invitations. This is why we do have a great choice here. In Zechariah 7, 9-12, it says this about a choice. Thus says this, the Lord of hosts, render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. And let none of you devise, and that word means weave, imagine, plot, or plan, evil against another in your heart. This above, this part of the passage we're reading here, is choosing to have a heart like Father God. Right here. The other two verses is choosing a different heart. But they, being Israel, refused to pay attention. And they turned a stubborn shoulder. And they stopped their ears so they might not hear. And they made, and this word means appointed and committed, their hearts diamond hard. The hardest natural substance that there is on the planet. They made their hearts that hard. It was a choice. God is asking them. God is showing him his heart. This is the heart that I want you to have, that, that you show kindness and mercy and love and that you help the oppressed, that you go and help the widow and the fatherless. This is my heart. This is what I want you to do. And they turned their shoulder and they stopped up their ears and they, heart, they made a decision for the heart to be hard. It is our choice what kind of heart we want. We can choose this. And this is why we need to guard our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We're going to talk about some other ways to guard our heart. But here's, I think, the most 
powerful way. And if you did this, everything else falls right into place. This is the most powerful way that we can guard our hearts without a shadow of a doubt. There isn't any more powerful step that we can take in doing this. It's to surrender our hearts to the greatest heart that there is. Because whoever or whatever has your heart has you. Whatever has me. Whatever I give my heart to has me. So if I surrender it to the greatest heart that there is, I am guarded. I am protected. Because I'm in Him. It's the best way to guard our hearts is to give it to Him. Life is hard. Life is difficult. It doesn't really get easier. But it can be fruitful. It can be real life, vibrant life, Zoe life. So what, what am I trying to get at? Our hearts are valuable. There are so many scriptures that talk about the value of a heart. God, over and over again, talks about the heart. And why does he do that? Because one of the ways that we're commanded, one of the ways that we're invited to, to love God is with all of our hearts. So why wouldn't he talk about it a lot? Because if that's one of the components of, of the humanness of, that we are, is our hearts, and we're supposed to love him with all our heart, wouldn't he want us to understand what this thing is? What this thing is capable of? And how valuable it is to him? Of course he would. He's a loving father. He wants us to know this. He wants us to understand this. See, God will free our heart with His. Jeremiah 24, 7 says this, I will give them a heart to know Me. For I am the Lord, and they will be My people, and I will be their God, for they will return to Me with their whole heart. Ezekiel 36, 27 says this, And I will give you a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. We walk through a hard world and the reason why we can deal with it, the reason why we can be more than conquerors, because we now have a tender heart like God. We beat a hard life with a tender heart. It is the only way possible. It's the way that Jesus modeled it out for us. Nobody had a more tender heart than Christ. And he was modeling his father. Gives us the opportunity to do the same thing. There is a verse I'm about to read to you that has, that has immense power in it. Not all scripture does, obviously. But this one, this one has immense power in it. And I think it's been misused a lot in churches. Because they read one verse and they usually don't read the one after it. But we have to start here. When we, start, when we start to understand and start to discover how valuable our heart is, we do have to start here. And it's in Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Most sermons stop right there. 
And if you stop there, you miss the power of what God is really trying to say, I believe. See, I know my heart was, was terribly wicked and needed redemption. I know this. I lived that life. I know what I did. I know I needed redemption. I know it was wicked. I know this. And I know we shouldn't trust our heart above God's heart. We shouldn't trust anything above God. There shouldn't be anything in this world that we trust more than God, including our hearts. But we don't have to be afraid of our hearts also. Because it says here, you know, it says, this heart is desperately wicked, but who can know it? Well, God answers the very next verse. It's beautiful. Listen to this. I, Jehovah, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God says, I, Jehovah, search. I penetrate. I examine closely. I try the reins. That word try also means to investigate. I'm going to test it out. I'm going to see what it does. The reins means your mind. What controls your thoughts? Whoever has your heart has you. Whoever has your mind has you as well. And I give to each man according to his ways, to his course of life, the way that he chooses. According to the fruit of his doings, his actions. I, I'm investigating it. I'm trying. I'm, I am going into this person's heart. I, what I'm doing here, God is rubbing his heart against ours. You're going to get this. You're, you're going to get this because, you know what, I'm, I'm looking at you closely, investigating. See, I already know you. <laughs> so me rubbing my heart on you so, so that you get to know me. He's doing this because he wants to reward us. Now, you can look at this, you know, okay, you know, if our, yes, we will reap what we sow. So if our actions are ungodly, guess what that produces? It's not hard to figure out. But the intent of God's heart here is not to point out how wicked we are. He states it plainly. And you know what? Without me, your heart is lost. It's dark. It's desperately wicked. However, guess what? I look at it. I'm not afraid to look at your heart. And if I'm not afraid to look at your heart, I invite you not to be afraid of looking at your heart either. Okay? We don't have to be afraid of this. Our heart is valuable to God. So valuable that He's willing to take the time to investigate what it's all about. So there's some beautiful stuff here. God's rumbling His heart against ours. God, <laughs> oh Lord, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. God creates the heart. Psalm 51.10 says this, Creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The Hebrew word here for create means to create something by carving out something. Sculpting something. God is, is making something new out of nothing. Because it's the same word 
that's used in Genesis when he's talking about creating the heavens and the earth. It's the same word. And he created that out of nothing. Pause for a dramatic effect. Listen to what I just said. The same power, the same creative force that God used to create the universe... Everything that's in the universe thinks that we've only seen a small part of our universe. We don't know how big this thing is. I don't care what the scientists think. They don't know how big this is. The same power that he uses to create that, that he sculpted out of nothingness, he uses to create a clean heart in us. Wow. How good is God? How good is God? The beauty of this is renew a right spirit within me. That word means, that word right means to stand up straight. To stand up straight. A right spirit enables us to stand up straight because we've got a clean heart. We don't have to bow to the weight of this world. We don't have to struggle to, to, to say, I just can't carry this load anymore because, you know what, Jesus said, you know, take my yoke upon you because my way is easy. We can stand up straight because we have a clean heart. We can stand before God because we've been set apart. We've been ceremonially made pure. Remember? We are morally blameless before God. This is really good stuff. God cleanses the heart. In Acts 15, 8-9, Peter is talking about witnessing to the Gentiles. And he says this, And God, who knows the hearts, bore them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as to us, the same Spirit, and he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. That, those, that phrase, who knows the heart, is actually where we get the word cardiologist from. God's a knower of our hearts. God knows the heart that He created in us. And He purifies it by faith. We can stand by faith, erect, right spirit, clean hearts. Our heart is not desperately wicked anymore when we come to Jesus. It's His. How can it be wicked? It's His. Hey, God darts the heart. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. That word for keep means to set a guard in advance. Not just setting a guard, but an advance. That's anticipating that things are going to come against the guard, okay? But that's okay. We don't have to worry. God's going to keep our hearts because he's already set a guard to protect our hearts, to guard our hearts. It's already there. God is intrinsically involved in our hearts. Rubbing his heart against ours all the time. The heart is a place where God dwells. This is the part I love. 
Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend, able to understand what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ, and to be filled up to all the fullness of God. That word dwell means to live permanently with, to move in and govern. The word govern, it has a connotation of protection in itself. God, who created the universe, everything that's in it, God chooses to dwell in our heart. This is a choice of God to do this. If God created the heavens and the earth and he created a clean heart in us, he did it with the purpose of moving in. There was a purpose behind all this so that he could dwell in our hearts, so that he can live there. And God God has very high standards about his living arrangements. Okay? He really does. Listen to this. For you are not a God who delights in witness, and evil may not dwell with you. If evil cannot dwell with God, but God dwells with us, what does that say about our hearts? I think, I think God's got some high standards, and, but you know, he, He's choosing to move in with us. Dwell with us. Stay with us. Inhabit our hearts. Think about this. Whew. Our hearts are not desperately wicked. Because God couldn't live there. He's settled in, he's guarding, he's keeping, he's covering, and he's freeing this heart. A little bit more. The heart could be good and noble. Luke 6.45 says this, But the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. The word good here means honorable, useful. And the abundance means out of our treasure, out of our storehouse, out of our wealth. And he repeats this thought in Luke 8, 15. It says, but the ones, talking about the seeds, but the ones that fell on the ground, good ground, are those who have heard the word with a noble heart. And that noble, that word noble man means valuable. Valuable heart. But a valuable and good heart, keep it. That word means hold down, retain, and bear fruit with patience. That word patience means endurance through difficulties. The hard times. You need a good heart to be able to do this. You need to, you need to understand how valuable our hearts are to God. We need this. Because Jesus teaches that the heart could be good and noble. And you know what that means? That because of Christ in you, your heart is good and noble. Your heart is good and noble. Wow, picture the power of this, if we can just get this. Picture the power that we have. It can be released in our hearts. Okay, here's another great one. Listen to this. God is greater than our hearts. 
1 John 3, 18 to 21. Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and in truth. We will know by this that we are of the truth, and we will assure our hearts before him. In whatever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And, beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we can have confidence towards God. If God doesn't condemn our hearts, and if our heart doesn't condemn us, shouldn't our faith be off the charts? This is why God wants us to know how valuable our hearts is. Why it's so important to surrender our hearts to Him. Because in this releases so much power, so much fruitfulness, so much of Himself is pressed into us. And that, you know what, you ever see those old um, Play-Doh machines that you used to get in and you press the Play-Doh in and it comes out in all different shapes, you know? That's it. You want to talk about being hard-pressed. Yeah, we are being hard-pressed. There's no doubt. But the Scripture said we are pressed but not, not destroyed. Not destroyed. We are pressed into His image. To have a heart like Him. So that we can be free. And our choice is this. What heart will we accept? What will we choose? Earlier this week I had an opportunity to uh, be interviewed and give my testimony. Wonderful experience. Had a great time doing it. And got to revisit the 12 years plus of, of abuse that I walked through. Surely the hardest time that I've ever had in my life. And one of the truths that came out in this interview was this. He goes, was the fact that I was a Christian when this was happening. I had given my heart to the Lord at seven. And I walked through the... That was probably the worst part of my journey from 7 to 17. Hardest part. Abuse was, was torture. It was nothing less than torture. But I was a Christian. And the interviewer asked me, he goes, so what did, how... What, what did this do to your mind and to your spirit? And how did you react as a young man? And, and I told him for many years, uh, you know, I was okay with it. And then for a few years, I actually rebelled against God. My heart got hard. Cold and distant. Because somewhere in there, I made a choice about what heart I wanted. My heart was getting taxed by the amount of emotional stress it was under. And so for a few years, I decided that the best way to protect myself, the best way to guard my heart, was to make it hard so it wouldn't feel, so it wouldn't hurt. And so I did that. I chose that way. And it almost killed me. You know, you know some of the stories about me attempting suicide. And certainly the many times I tried to drink myself to death was just as equal. And then the interviewer asked me, he goes, so what, what changed? What, what made you come out of that? It was the fact that, that I always knew, even when, no matter how high I got, no matter how drunk I got, I never lost, I was never 
unaware of this fact. Matter of fact, I said, it was fighting. It's funny, it's almost like running away from him heightened my ability to see God. I knew that God was after my heart. I knew it. I just didn't want to give it to him. And when I came to the end of my rope, when I came to the end, you know, when I came to my senses, and I realized that this was the way to life, was to surrender who I was again and give him my heart. This is when this scripture became really powerful. Psalm 119.30. I have chosen the way of truth, and I have set my heart on your laws. Narrow is the gate. Hard is the way that lives the life. So I pray that, that we would understand that today we have an opportunity, and every day we have an opportunity to give our heart away to something. Let's give it away to Him. Let's continuously surrender this heart to Him. And say, Father, there is no safer place for my heart is to be in Your hands. And then allow Him to, to work through the things so that we know how to walk through this hard life that leads to life.